Greetings to you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the Sunday School Podcast for November 26th, 2023. And this is the last Sunday after Pentecost. Advent is just a week away. In this podcast, we'll be looking at the story of Jacob's dream in Genesis 27 and 28. And again, if you are using this podcast in conjunction with the CPH book, 120 Bible Stories, this story is found on page 32. Now, last time we had the story of Jacob and Esau, and Jacob, with the help of his mother, Rebekah, deceiving his father, Isaac, into receiving the blessing of the firstborn. So Esau was born first, not by much, just by a minute or two. Then Jacob was born. So Esau was the firstborn entitled to um, the birthright and his father's blessing. And he sold his birthright to, uh, to Jacob for a pot of stew, which included the blessing. And, uh, and although Isaac intended to give Esau that blessing, he should have known better because the Lord had declared that the older will serve the younger that Jacob was a recipient of the promise. But as Isaac was in error by wanting to bless Jacob, um, Rebekah, his wife, and Jacob, his son, team up to deceive him so that he, uh, he blesses Jacob instead unwittingly. Now, um, Again, as we talked about last week, we're not going to justify the deception. We're going to say that Isaac and Rebekah and Jacob and Esau are all sinners going about their, their way of getting God's work done, and God doesn't need their help. Despite the wrong intentions and despite the deceptions, though, God makes use of, of their bad doings to keep his promised to keep his promise of the messiah on track the upshot of this is that as the lord has prophesied isaac blesses jacob making him the heir of his things and also declaring him to be the chosen son through whom the messiah will come so now Jacob has that blessing, and he also has Esau's wrath. Esau has said, as soon as dad dies, I'm going to kill my brother. And that's where this story picks up. Jacob has got to go somewhere, or else he's going to be killed. And Rebecca comes up with a plan because Esau has married two different women. He has two wives, both of whom are Hittites. And these wives have made Rebekah and Isaac miserable. So, since Jacob needs a reason to leave the farm, so to speak, at the end of Genesis 27, the very last verse, verse 46, Rebekah said to Isaac, I loathe my life because of the Hittite women. If Jacob marries one of the Hittite women like these, 
one of the women of the land, what good will my life be to me? So we read in Genesis 28, verse 1 and following, Then Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and directed him, You must not take a wife from the Canaanite women. Arise, go to Paddan Aram, to the house of Bethuel, your mother's father, and take as your wife from there one of the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you, that you may become a company of peoples. May he give the blessing of Abraham to you and to your offspring with you, that you may take possession of the land of your sojournings that God gave to Abraham. Thus Isaac sent Jacob away, and he went to Paddan Aram, to Laban, the son of Bethuel, the Aramean, the brother of Rebekah, Jacob's and Esau's mother. All right, so the reason for sending Jacob away that Rebekah comes up with is, I hate my daughters-in-law. Esau has married Hittite women. They're making us miserable. And if Jacob marries a Hittite woman, what good will my life be anymore? So she makes this argument to Isaac, and Isaac sends Jacob away. But Isaac's reasoning for sending Jacob away is not that they're going to be miserable with one more Hittite daughter-in-law in the household. Instead, Isaac sends Jacob away with the acknowledgement that he has the blessing to carry on the promise that God gave to Abraham. Remember, Abraham was promised by God that through him all nations would be blessed. And as unlikely as it was, Abraham and Sarah had a son, namely Isaac, when they were in their 90s. And now... Isaac acknowledges that it is Jacob, not Esau, through whom that promise will be fulfilled. So, part of this may be Jacob's, Isaac rather, saying, I gave Jacob the blessing, but it's also an acknowledgement that God did indeed declare that the older would serve the younger, that Jacob would be his chosen one to carry on the promise. So, as Abraham sent a servant back to Laban's household to find a wife for Isaac, now Isaac sends Jacob back to the same household to find for himself a wife. He doesn't send a servant because Jacob's got to get out of town until Esau cools off, if he ever does. Now, our story in the Bible storybook, 120 Bible stories, skips the next uh, four verses or so, but they're, um, they're interesting, so we'll include them here. Genesis 28, verses 6 through 9, we read, Now Esau saw that Isaac had blessed Jacob and sent him away to Paddan Aram to take a wife from there, and that as he blessed him, he directed him, You must not take a wife from the Canaanite women. And that Jacob had obeyed his father and his mother and gone to Paddan Aram. So when Esau saw that the Canaanite women did not please Isaac, his father, Esau went to Ishmael and took as his wife, besides the wives he had, Mahalath, the daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son, the sister of 
Nebaioth. So this little interlude here, Esau has married these two Hittite women who just make his mother and father miserable. And for whatever reason, he does nothing about this until he hears that Jacob has been blessed by Isaac, who has said, you must not take a wife from the Canaanite women. At this point, Esau marries a daughter of Ishmael. Now, that may sound at first like he's poking his parents in the eye once again because, you know, Isaac and Ishmael weren't exactly buddies growing up. Um, But Esau does take as a wife a descendant of Abraham. So, as Jacob is to find a wife who is descended from the family of Abraham, now Esau takes a wife um, from Ishmael, Abraham's son through Hagar. And so it might be him saying to his parents, you know, um, I, uh, I realize that the Canaanite women aren't working out, so I'm trying to follow your counsel to Jacob. It might be that Esau is more selfishly saying, maybe if I do this, then Isaac will give me a better blessing than he gave me before. So he's trying to kind of kiss up to his parents. Uh, we don't know why, but, but as, uh, as Jacob departs to find a wife from Abraham's family, Esau marries a wife from Abraham's family. I'm sure that she and the two Hittite wives will get along famously. Anyways, back to the story that's in the 120 Bible story book, the story of Jacob. Genesis 28 verse 10 and following reads, Jacob left Beersheba and went toward Haran. And he came to a certain place and stayed there that night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed, and behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. Behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, And you shall spread abroad to the west, and to the east, and to the north, and to the south. And in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you, and will keep you wherever you go, and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. All right, so we have Jacob on his journey, comes to a place, it's getting dark, the sun has set, and so he decides he'll just bunk down there for the night. No lodging is in sight, so he takes a stone for a pillow, and he lays down, and he falls asleep, and he has this dream. 
And the English translations normally say that in this dream he saw a ladder. Um, the, the word there includes ladder is kind of something that lets you move up and down. It's, it could also mean that he sees sort of a staircase or also common at the time, we know from archaeology, was the ziggurat. And a ziggurat is like a pyramid made out of steps. And so you could walk up the side of the pyramid like it because it was a giant staircase all the way around. We don't know if it was a ladder or a staircase or a ziggurat, but what matters is this. This ladder, whatever it might be, starts at earth and goes up to heaven, or else it starts at heaven and comes down to earth. At any rate, this structure connects heaven and earth together, and it's being actively used. Not by, not by people. Um, in fact, the, the song, We Are Climbing Jacob's Ladder, is not a good song. We don't climb Jacob's ladder. In the text, it's angels who are ascending and descending on Jacob's ladder. In other words, um, they're moving between heaven and earth according to God's purposes, doing God's bidding. At the top of the ladder is the Lord himself, Yahweh, the great I am. And as he stands at the top of this structure, this ladder, speaking to Jacob, he makes a couple of promises. First off, he promises to Jacob that the land on which he sleeps will be his, and a lot of the land around it will go to him and to his offspring. In other words, he is saying to Jacob, that promise I made to Abraham, your grandfather, and to Isaac, your father, I am renewing with you. I want you to know that I'm keeping my promise and this land is yours. He also renews the promise that he gave to Abraham that um, in you and in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Now, this is, again, a promise of the Messiah. Through the descendants of Jacob, eventually, you will have a young woman named Mary, and to her will be born Jesus, conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. Furthermore, as the Lord speaks from the top of the structure, he declares to, to Jacob I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. And, and really, since the promises of God are, are um, eternal, the Lord will never, you know, forsake Jacob. Um, and, and so now Jacob has the promise of the land, that the Messiah will come, and that God is with him. Jacob awakes from his sleep and he says in, in verse 16, Surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know it. Um, so, so God was there and he reveals himself, his presence there, watching over Jacob. In fact, sending his angels to care for Jacob, perhaps, um, in this dream. And Jacob is struck with fear because God is so near to him and Jacob knows he's not exactly a, a pure and holy, righteous person. I mean, he's going to Jacob because Esau wants to kill him for 
tricking their father into giving him the inheritance. All right. And he's, he's also afraid simply that, that God is there um, in his holiness. And so he says, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. And that's a remarkable statement because Jacob is saying that, that in this place, in this dream, this, this structure is like um, where heaven and earth come together and, uh, and whether or not he can climb up the structure and enter into heaven through this gate, this is, this is in the dream where, where the angels are coming out of heaven to descend upon the earth and is the place where God speaks to his people on earth. So we read in chapter 28, verses 18 and following. So early in the morning, Jacob took the stone that he had put under his head and set it up for a pillar and poured oil on the top of it. He called the name of that place Bethel, but the name of the city was Luz at the first. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go, And will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear, so that I come again to my father's house in peace. Then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone, which I have set up for a pillar, shall be God's house. And all that you give me, and of all that you give me, I will give a full tenth to you. So, um, Jacob sets up this stone to mark the spot. He calls the name of the place Bethel, which means Beth House El of Elohim, God. So Bethel is house of God um, because the Lord is in this place. And then he promises to obey God if God keeps his promises to him. So note that sequence. God acts first. God declares Jacob to be his own. God declares this blessing to Jacob, and that's why Jacob vows to follow God and obey him. So it's really kind of a, um, a third use of the law thing. Since God has made these promises to me, what will I do? I will, um, I will follow him, I will obey him, and I will, I will give to him out of all that he has given to me. So as long as God keeps his promises... Jacob will live as God's man, and God is always going to keep his promises. Now, he sets up the stone as a marker, and when he returns to the land in Genesis chapter 35, he's going to return to the spot, he's going to find this stone, and in Genesis 35 verses 1 through 15, he converts that stone, that marker, into an altar so that he can make sacrifices to God there. So this place where heaven and earth are connected by this ladder in the dream, it also becomes a place of sacrifice. All right, now how does this story of Jacob's ladder point to Christ? Well, first off, obviously... The Lord renews his promise that the Messiah is coming as he blesses Jacob in, in, verse, um, in verse 19 of chapter 28. Through your offspring, all nations will be blessed. 
And so this story continues the history of Jesus' family tree. Um, As the Lord says once again, the Messiah is coming through the line of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Secondly, we have Jacob's um, declaration when he wakes up that the Lord is in this place. And where the Lord is present in a place, he is busy doing his work for our good. So in this case, as Jacob sleeps, the Lord is protecting him. In the dream, the Lord is declaring to him good news that the Messiah is coming. And and so the Lord is in that place for, for Jacob's good. And we can connect this, maybe loosely, but we can connect this to Jesus' proclamation during his ministry that as he arrives, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Because wherever Jesus is, the Lord is present in that place because Jesus is God in the flesh. Wherever Jesus is, his kingdom is. So where is the kingdom of God? Where Jesus is? In Old Testament language, where is Bethel? Where is the house of God? The house of God is where God is blessing his people. The third way this points to Christ is, I think, the, uh, the most interesting of the three, certainly. Because Jesus talks about Jacob's ladder ever so briefly In the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 49 to 51. And there we have, there we read, Nathanael answered him, said to Jesus, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. So first off, Nathanael's words, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Well, it's kind of similar to what Jacob says. When Nathanael says, you are the Son of God, he is declaring... Therefore, God is in this place. And when he says, you are the king of Israel, he's saying, the kingdom of God is in this place. Now, does Nathaniel know he's saying all of this? We don't know. Probably not. He's more stunned by meeting Jesus, it appears. Nevertheless, he's making this declaration that because Jesus is there, God is there. God is in that place, and God is in that place for the good of his people. And then Jesus says, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. So Jesus has um, caught Nathaniel's attention by saying that, that before they met, he knew that Nathaniel was, was sleeping under a fig tree. And that appears to be enough to wow Nathaniel, but but Jesus says, you'll see greater things and more important things than these. And then he said to Nathaniel, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. 
angels ascending and descending, that brings into mind Jacob's ladder, this, this structure, this, this staircase, this ziggurat, whatever it was that Jacob sees in his dream where God is at the top, where angels are ascending and descending, um, and, 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 um, and Jacob is in God's presence. Now, the angels of God are ascending and descending on the ladder, this structure, whatever it is, that connects heaven and earth, that brings them together, right? Jesus declares, you will see angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. So Jesus declares that he is, in fact, the ladder that connects heaven and earth, He is also then the gate of heaven that opens between heaven and earth so that God can have mercy on man and man can enter heaven. So when Jesus says, uh, you will see the angels of God ascending and descending on me, he's declaring that he is the the gateway to heaven through which God works um, out of mercy and grace for man and through whom man can actually enter heaven. And remember what happens in Genesis chapter 35. Jacob returns to that place and turns that stone into an altar where sacrifices are made to God. So now that one place is both a, a, um, a connection between heaven and earth, a bridge between heaven and earth, and it's also a place of sacrifice. So when Jesus says to Nathanael, you'll see the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man, he's talking about the cross. In the end, this ladder between heaven and earth, it has one, it has one rung, one cross piece, And his hands are nailed to it, if you will. But Jesus is the the ladder through whom God is merciful to his people. Jesus is the one who, who connects heaven and earth and opens the door to heaven for us sinners. Because he is God who becomes flesh to save us by his grace. So Jacob's ladder points to Jesus because Jesus is the fulfillment of Jacob's ladder. Just a quick note on the liturgy before we conclude. Um, On a normal Sunday morning, a couple of times during the service, before the collect and before the Lord's Supper, the pastor turns to the congregation and says, The Lord be with you which is shorthand for saying, surely the Lord is in this place. And we say this back and forth because it means that heaven is opened, and so God will hear our prayers. That's why we say it before the collect of the day. And we say it just before the Lord's Supper because the altar now is where Jesus comes and visits us again to give us forgiveness and life and salvation. So where Jacob's ladder connected heaven and earth in Genesis chapter 28, and where Jesus is the bridge between heaven and earth on the cross that we might enter heaven, now the altar, the Lord's Supper, that's the new bridge between heaven and earth.
because Jesus, who is in heaven and throned with his Father, is also there with his body and blood here on earth to give us the forgiveness of sins. So, God be praised. He continues to keep his promise. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you, which means he will never leave you nor forsake you. All right, that concludes our quick look at the story of Jacob's dream and Jacob's ladder, or whatever it was. God bless your further meditations on this story. God grant you every good gift if you are teaching it to others. And until we speak again, the Lord order your days and your deeds in his peace. Amen.